This is RangerCast, episode 13, What Power Rangers Can Learn From Its Comics, recorded on Sunday, March 19th, 2023. In this episode, drips and drabs about once and always, details on Legend of the White Dragon, and a former showrunner prepares to spill some tea. This is RangerCast. As always, I am Tyler, better known as Reedable Volto, and we've got Lamar with us tonight. Hey, all. Also, Josh, also also known as the r slash Power Rangers moderator, Razgriz Infinity. Up, every pony. And after a long absence, Tori is back on the show. Hey, everyone. Cool, cool. Okay, so now it's been a month since we dropped our last episode. A lot has happened. Um, you know, sorry about the uh, the delay. You know, there's just been stuff going on in my personal life. I don't really want to get into that on here. Um, but how's everyone doing? Uh, doing all right. You know, um, I I totally feel you on that sort of thing. But um, you know, just just enjoying the franchise, honestly. Um, despite the fact that I've had to send back my Zord Ascension Project Dino Megazord back twice. Two times. Well, we'll get to the Zord Ascension Project in a bit, but, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, the franchise, we got more drips and drabs of once and always before that drops on April 19th. The big news is that Ron Wasserman is uh, doing the music for that, which is just fantastic. He's not sticking around for Cosmic Fury. That'll still be Bird selling, but... I, I'm really looking forward to hearing not only new music but maybe a little old music, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not surprised he's not sticking around for Cosmic Fury. I think he yeah. this is more of a nostalgia uh, for him, but I, I'm looking right. forward to what he's going to do to update uh, some of the stuff. Are we getting like his old school type of album with the remixes, or is he just doing complete brand new? And what songs are we going to hear? Are oh, we going to yeah. hear like uh, some of the stuff. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, because he did do that Power Rangers Redux uh album in like 2014 that had uh fresh takes on a lot of those old standards like Combat and Five Four One and We Need a Hero. It would be interesting to see it, you know, which if any of those songs can make a return. We hope that there aren't like legal issues with BMG, who owns the old uh, Saban music catalog in terms of being able to use a lot of that old music, you know, even the melody. Um, but considering the MMPR riff, the da 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 is still everywhere in Power Rangers, including material related to the 30th, I think we're okay. I think so, too. Yeah, I mean, my assumption would be that any of the musical cues would have transferred along with the franchise. And also, it's it's a lot harder to you know, um, to copyright musical cues as it is to copyright, like, lyrics to songs. You remind me of the the one where it was like, they can't, re- they can remix it, the do-do-do-do-do-do, but they couldn't copy, like, yeah. the Dragon Dagger well, uh, song, like, because that was a completely separate I, like, I think, norm- like, you know, normally you'd be right, normally it's the case, but, like, kind of going back to 
what Haim Saban originally did for a living. Um, the music rights were kind of decoupled from the show, and Haim and Saban kept those. Um, of course, despite all the rest of Fox Family Worldwide being, you know, sold to Disney. So every time that one of the Saban era shows would air, they had to send him a check. <laughs> and sometime around, I want to say 2011, they sold that library to a company called Bug Music. And then Bug Music was bought by BMG. Wasn't that why they did that, like, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger remix around that time as well? So they could air, like, the old yeah. one with the BAM everything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, they had that, that remix that, you know, was kind of like a, you know, sound like version of parts of the theme, you know, that sort of thing. Or, you know, look at Once a Ranger, where they had to just, you know, make something from scratch. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have new art out that went up on Instagram and what have you that uh, has uh, the Blue Ranger front and center. We got a glimpse in the uh, art, uh, a glimpse of Robo Rita. Um, looks a bit like the handiwork of the Machine Empire, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, be out of line there. My My wild guessing. That was the impression I had, too, which is funny, because I was like, huh, when you got to rule over the machine pyre, uh, but got to take on the uh, Power Rangers at 7. That, I had kind of the same thought. But on the other hand, we've had an anniversary episode that used the Royal House of Gadgetry before. As Forever Red, of course. Yeah. It's very possible that, like, obviously with this being a 30th, they're going to try and, and keep in with the whole MMPR Zeo Turbo in space, but probably mostly focusing on MMPR and Zeo since that, like, Zeo is kind of treated as MMPR Season 4. Well, I, yeah. mean, I mean, they're also working in a bit of SPD. That's right. With the fact oh, that yeah. Aisha and Adam are working for, um, you know, SPD affiliated organization. So mm -hmm. and we might see other things. Hmm? Well, we know that's um, whatever that part is is going to be tied to the free comic book day comic coming out. Oh, I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, maybe. Well, we'll, we'll yeah, uh, for that. yeah, that was oh. confirmed. Yeah, yeah they was like confirmed that the Rangers Academy. Yeah, this is supposed to be linked to it. Yeah, and uh, we also got a new synop, a new uh, a new log line for the special from Netflix. It reads: After tragedy strikes, an unlikely young hero, presumably Min takes her rightful place among the Power Rangers to face off against the team's oldest arch-nemesis. This has an implication that, you know, I, I really hope that they don't screw, you know, how Trini dies. I, I, I hope they don't, you know, screw it up. Um, but I, I trust the writers. Yeah, I mean, it seems like so many of that actress's friends are working on this show that I can't imagine right. they'd be on board with any disrespectful handling of her absence. Yeah, my thought exactly, especially when a fan saw a photo and wrongly believed it to be related to uh, to the shoot of the special. But, uh, yeah. you know, we're kind of just yeah. like grasping for information as we do. Yeah, I'm surprised that fans haven't, you know, gone on Google Earth and found the car driving by where they're filming, you know, something like that. It's got to happen eventually. So uh, going back to the uh, Zord Ascension project, the Astro Megazord 
is arriving to fans. And unlike, I guess, your Dino Megazord, uh, fans are mostly happy with it. I know I'm happy with it. Um, it's a bit... Like, the joints are a bit difficult to maneuver, but at the same time, like, you're worried you'll break them by by pushing so hard. Um, and the legs are a bit of a pain in the butt to, uh, uh, to fold out, to, uh, into Megazord mode and fold back. Um, but I'm mostly, I'm mostly pretty happy with it. Um, most interesting thing about it is on the legs, there are clips that indicate, or at least, you know, don't rule out the possibility of a Delta Megazord to go with it. Yeah, I mean, they have to be leaning towards that way for, for most of the Zord Ascension Project Megazords, because that's really how you, you get people hooked, is, well, you know, if somebody might have not been as inclined to get a Titanus, but if you can combine Titanus with the rest of the Megazord, then you have to get it. Well, on the other hand, my uh, Legacy Falcon Zord has clips for the Shogun Megazord, so you never know. Yeah, but fair enough. Uh, the Shogun Megazord now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm really happy for like I really enjoyed the um, Astro Megazord as a kid. I don't know where it got off to, um, but it's a very it's very big. It's very um, it's very dense, uh, and I really enjoy the the touches of the mini ranger figures in the in the uh, megaship cockpit in the megazord cockpit but because it has to account for that cockpit the um the shuttle is a bit larger like proportionally speaking than the shuttle in the uh, old uh, old release and the um the head of the megazord is more obvious at a glance than it was in the original re- release or was in the show uh but that's the only thing about it um other than that, I'm really, really impressed with the release. Yeah, I yeah. mean, obviously, you can only like you can only do so much with physics, you know. Um, like that's that was the same issue. Transformers have the exact same sort of issue: is you you have to ha- shove things into physical space. They can't go into hammer space, like um, you know, uh, in the shows. Yeah, I do yeah. love the scale they're giving for this. Like, I'm probably not going to spend this much on a toy again but like the fact that they are making it so huge and so hefty like it seems like it's got a lot of weight to it and i like how shiny well, it is like yeah it seems like they're actually making it feel like a toy that should be worth uh what like roughly 200 bucks it is mm-hmm. yeah and it's in scale with the uh dino megazord release um i look forward to the scale release of the delta base megazord gonna have to get a room for that <laughs> Uh, or the Super Zeo uh, Megazord. Yeah, yeah. Would probably just be as tall as we are. The Zeo Ultra Zord. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. For- I I'd be wondering if uh if they ever do decide to do a Delta Megazord, will we get if it's gonna be a giant thing, will we get like a pre order bonus like where they had the cage or whatever from the series where it was like Delta and then the Astro Megaship was on top of it or something. I don't know. I assume no, but I mean, I've seen crazier things happen. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is uh one of maybe that's one of their crowdfunding things. Like Haslab will be a, a Zord Ascension, you know, Delta Base or, or or you know Delta Megazord or whatever. 
Yeah, don't. Hasbro. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. You go ahead. I, I was just gonna say Hasbro hasn't exactly shied away from large scale projects in the past. I mean, look at the um, oh shoot, Unicron, like all the way back in two thousand and five. So yeah, th they could easily do it. Don't just don't forget on the Astro Mega Ship Free all that. Something that is now appears to be a big common issue with it is the clips are really really um getting stretch marks yeah. very easily so they're like yeah, be they're very gentle that, yeah. with it especially where the um the shield is at or whatever on, on the underside yeah absolutely um yeah, i'm still trying to figure out where i want to put it um but that's another that's another thing um but the people who fought for things like the astro megazord uh and the rumored Tommy item that we're getting later this year. Um, they were sent out the door in Hasbro's recent layoffs. There's a posting now, or or recently anyway, a job posting at Hasbro for a marketing and brand manager for both Power Rangers and Fortnite. Um, it's temp, but that's like temp to full-time hire. Uh, you know, I don't know how I feel about not having like somebody like dedicated, like, uh, you know, knowing everything about Power Rangers, like that's all they do with their time. But I think it speaks just to Hasbro's broader issues right now. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously they've been trying to keep their hands uh, a little bit in a whole bunch of different cookie jars. Um, I mean, they're handling Star Wars, they're handling Marvel, they're handling Power Rangers. They've got their own Transformers. They've got all their own brands as well, like GI Joe. Um, it's it's a lot to try and manage, and you know, it, toy sales just are not going to be doing as well as they they did in the past. You know, generate like from our you know our generation is waiting to have kids because it's so expensive. So you know, kind of the the toy market is shrinking, and they're they're gobbling up all the different components of it which is you know good on the one hand that there's consistency but on the other hand it's definitely difficult and that's something to consider too um when you mentioned that about trying to sell the toys especially in the the world we live in not even just like having kids is expensive and houses are expensive but people just aren't buying toys so they have to make it worth people's while to like spend two hundred dollars for a toy <laughs> mm-hmm I mean, I'm not saying that this slowdown wouldn't have happened, but I wonder, like, where things would be right now with Power Rangers if Brian Golden was still around. I think no, you say a, 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 lot, a lot of things at Hasbro. Um, like, Brian Golden's death really, you know, was a shock. I mean, it, like, really a turning point for the company. And I think they're still trying to find their way. Um, I think for Power Rangers specifically... Like, he was the guy who spearheaded that deal. He was the guy who spearheaded E1, which now Hasbro is shopping. And, like, what is their, like, direction going forward? You, you know, they, they're, they like, trying to sell E1 in the middle of, you know, the, the press and marketing for the, the Dungeons and Dragons movie. There, there's just no telling. I mean, it, it's anything and everything. Uh for it, it reminds me of the death of um monty for ruby and uh oh i cannot think of his name and i'm a terrible fan but the the individual who made ben 10 
um, and they went a completely different direction than uh, initially what he had. It could be like this as well. Who knows? It's anything. <laughs> also in behind-the-scenes scuttle, but Doug Sloan, the former showrunner of Power Rangers, also a writer and producer over the years, Dino Thunder, Ninja Storm, MPR through Turbo, uh, he recently floated out there the idea of writing a book, you know, dishing all about his time on the show. And he says he would do an audiobook as well. And uh, he, like, floated it on Twitter, and fans responded. And he was like, okay, I guess I'm doing it now. He, uh, he said the book is already in the works. It's going to focus on his experiences, what he observed at both studios, Saban and Disney, that produced PR when he was there. He said it's probably going to piss some people off. Super fun. See you soon. End quote. That's I mean, that... spicy uh, uh, stuff to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that can't be good for your career, right? Like, it, it's just, it, it's a very tight-knit industry. Um, and one of the things I was always told, and I know I might be a little old school, is don't talk bad about your previous employer. This is really going to ruin you. I'm not sure how concerned he, he, you know, would have to be because... Like, he he hasn't, like, his Twitter bio um, identifies him as, like, the owner of a custom guitar joint. And he was showrunner on those Dragon shows on Netflix, but those ended in 2016. I, like, I think that he's okay with maybe burning bridges at this point. No, no, he was on, he worked on Barbie's Dreamhouse, Dreamhouse Adventures, but that was still in 2020. Power Rangers is not a union show and also has one of the most complicated histories of any children's show. So like for one, I'm always on board with more content about what happens behind the scenes or like how this, how the show comes to life. And I feel like if you're at this tier of TV or filmmaking uh, and working on non-union jobs, like Power Rangers is like, I don't think you have that much to lose by doing a tell all book and like, God knows that show has been horrible to some of the most important people that did a lot of work on it. So, uh, I mean, as long as he's not dragging other respected figures through the mud, like I would love to hear all the basically basic dirty inside secrets about what it was like to work under Saban or Disney on the show. Yeah. But I mean, dirt that I'm not expecting him to go to go into is how, um, how Jason Frank kept the, whole cast from walking off uh you know when the peace conference happened if you know what i mean because they like there was an attempt by austin st john by twee by walter jones uh to organize a cast walk-off and they were the only ones who ended up leaving um and jason frank was plied with more spotlight um and you, you know more stuff to do like the karate videos and ended up not leaving you you this is just a thought you know what i kind of expect from this uh, book because i i agree with everybody this can go one of two ways this is burn every single bridge type of book and who cares at this point or it kind of could go the direction where i I hope this is the direction it's going. It's going to be like what Eric and Julia 
a wrote for previously on X-Men, and they did kind of a tell-all how the development of uh, X-Men the Animated Series went, and they don't shy away from saying Saban is a cheap uh, uh, individual, and they had to fight for every uh, nickel and dime and for every animation cell. For that, they say Stanley was not a great individual to work with until the season, the first season ended, and it was one of the highest-rated shows on television, and then he finally backed off. I feel my gut is it's going to be something like that. Of this is kind of where the 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 suits came from. Our issues with trying to get the dragon shield. Um, this is kind of the behind the scenes with like the stunt doubles and everything. I feel like it's that, but it will also say like, yeah, Saban tried to do this, and we had to put our foot down finally. I feel like it's going that direction, but maybe I'm completely wrong, and it is definitely going to be a burn everything to the ground type of story uh, with it, because Saban's only one. If he's if he's referencing everybody. Saban's only one part of the puzzle. There is Disney, and we know there was problems with Disney. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, if you want to talk about Scuttlebutt, there was a video uh, a couple weeks ago by the YouTuber Mintberry, B-A-R-I. We're going to link it in the show notes, uh, like a lot of this stuff. Looking back on Jack Olesker, and I was educating josh before we started recording who he was now for those of you old hands in the fandom like me you know that that name brings back memories but the short version of this he is this he went on ranger board he claimed to have been the co-creator of power rangers he claimed he wrote the series bible he solic- he solicited ideas that he was pretty transparently going to turn around and pitch to Walt Disney Animation. And Bruce Kalish, who was the showrunner at the time, he was lurking, as he did, and he uh, reported this to folks above him, and Oleska subsequently apologized, said, you know, there is no contest, I don't know, I don't know this executive I mentioned, and you know, quietly disappeared. This really, this is a really fascinating video. Normally, we just kind of, you know, mention and move on from. But Jack Olesker himself, who on his website still touts this and still like, like you know, does like, will take photos in diners. People who you know here he created, who he tells, he co-created Power Rangers, and he's you know, replied to the video congratulating this YouTuber on a well-done documentary um, and that admits that unsoliciting series ideas was a horrible decision, um, but then says, I just wish you had the courtesy to reach out to me on an issue that happened a decade ago and got in my honest take on the mistake I made. But to post a banner that says I'm a, quote, fake creator is a cheap shot when I actually did write the series Bible. He's still on this during 45 years in the industry. I've never claimed I did something I didn't. You did amazing research on this video. Why didn't you balance it by getting four and one on my side? Is surprising for someone who I regard as a journalist. And the YouTuber um, Mintberry implies on Twitter that um, uh, that Mr. Olesker uh, is threatening legal action, but that's not in the comments, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, just you know, life is complicated enough. I, I don't think everyone needs to create extra drama. In other news, in Toku news. Generation Kikaida is closing shop. For those who don't know what Generation Kikaida is, it's an offshoot of JN Production. Oh, you don't know what that is either. 
way back in the day, like 70s, 80s, there was a television station, KIKU Kiku TV, in Hawaii. It was a Japanese language station that would air subtitled stuff. They ran Go Ranger uh, and uh, Kamen Rider V3 and other other old school Toku shows. And the rights to those shows stayed with the uh, general manager of the station, who continued to sell Kikaida V3. Uh, Inazuman uh, DVDs and uh, ephemera posters and stuff like that on the uh, Generation Kikada website. Um, but sadly, the store is closing in June. And if you're interested in getting V3 or any of this other stuff, this is probably the only way you're going to get it. Uh, we don't know the future of this material. They do have an Amazon storefront. But we don't really know, you know, what JM Productions is doing with that either. Um, gotta see about getting on V3 before, before you know they're sold out or something. Because if they got a print, you know, that's probably it. And in other Toku news, Godzilla Tokyo SOS is in theaters for one night only on Wednesday. The what day is it today? It is going to be the 22nd, Wednesday night, the 22nd at a theater near you through Fathom Events. I know I'll be there. How about y'all? Oh. I, mean, I hope to go if it plays at like a local Marcus theater or something, but a lot of these uh, like Fathom Events screenings don't come around where I am. Um, yeah. However, I was a little surprised to hear this news. Like, I was a kid when all these were hitting store shelves where I was, so none of them stand out to me more than others but is uh tokyo sos like a uh terribly like, more beloved godzilla classic than the others from around that time so um, it's one of the more recent ones um this one follow is in the millennium era um i i have yeah. it on dvd um it's interesting because it kind of um it you know it, as you can see from the title screen it, it, you know, obviously there's still Godzilla. It's a Godzilla movie, but it also has Mothra and a um, a Mecha Godzilla, which is piloted by a, you know, like a human government organization. Um, That's right, and it's full. T- it's full title in Japan is Godzilla X Mothra X Mecha Godzilla Tokyo SOS. Yeah, I remember thinking it was not awesome as a kid compared to like some of the others leading up to it. I just. Yeah, haven't had a chance to view it with adult eyes. Yeah, and it's the only installment in the millennium era of Godzilla to share continuity with a previous Godzilla film, it being a direct sequel to 2002's Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. The film after this was Final Wars, which, you know, fans are kind of split on. That was the one directed by Ryuhei Kitamura, and then they put Godzilla to bed for a while uh, because... He'd gotten so many movies in so much time. Yeah, I, Final Wars, from what I understand, I mean, obviously they weren't going to, you know, uh, kill their golden goose and say we're done with Godzilla, but it was meant to be kind of like an homage to the series from 1954 till 2004. I mean, for what it's worth, I liked it, but I'm not, you know, as deep into Godzilla lore as other people. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I make no uh, presumptions to be an expert. Um, just that, you know, it's it's a fun series. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to see it in theaters. Um, my wife really enjoyed the first one, but I don't know if I could get her out to a movie theater uh, in the middle of a week. Um, the great thing, the great thing about these fathom screenings is that you know you're there with other people who really want to be there. Like mm -hmm. I saw Shin Ultraman, I was with my people. Yeah. And uh, also in Toku news, the Tokusatsu community is mourning the death of Shozo Izuka. He had been voice acting for decades. He was 89 years old. He was still working. He voiced most monsters in Dejiman and various others from Go-Ranger to Go-Sager. He also voiced Hakaider in Android Hakaider and did scattered voices in Rider, Metal Hero, and Uju Keiji shows from the uh, 1980s. He's also known for voicing Android 8 and Nappa in the Dragon Ball franchise. He was in Gundam, Urusei Yatsura, the original Astro Boy. He voiced uh, Dr. Neo Cortex in the Crash Bandicoot games. Uh, he did start to pull back from some of his roles in the last couple of years, but to be eight, that old and you know, still be you know going in recording, that's pretty cool. Like, what a legacy! Uh, I mean, that is a, that's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. We could all wish to have such a great uh, career and legacy. And also, going back to Power Rangers news. Legends of the White Dragon will get a limited theater release in top markets over Labor Day weekend, which is meant to coincide with what would have been uh, Jason Frank's 50th birthday. We haven't really seen much besides posters and motion posters about this movie since his death, but and we don't know how far he was in a post on it, but it appears to still be coming and they're intent on getting it out there as a tribute to him. Yeah, I was always concerned that, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, the concern is that we, we lost uh, a human being. But, you know, I, I was also thinking, like, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to, to release it now. Like, it, it sounded like it, it took a while for them to kind of get things organized. But, no, it's it's good to know that, at the very least, this project will be completed. It's what he would have wanted. I'm going to be the negative Nancy on this one. I am absolutely worried with it being on Labor Day weekend. Even with a limited re release, that is one of the single busiest weekends of the year. I'm afraid people aren't going to show up. Even with oh, uh, it promoting... I'm, I'm worried in the sense of I've seen... Uh, to use an example, I, I'm in my local area, football is really big. I know sometimes the audiences don't cross, but sometimes they do. There was a Comic-Con that uh, uh, tried to uh, compete against football on opening weekend, and they went bankrupt as a result. Well, I, I don't and think they, they're airing... I don't think they're looking at making all their money through theatrical. This is a very, very limited release uh, with a very, very small company. And I think that most of their money off is going to come up of VOD, or they're doing theatrical kind of to say they did it. And that's fair. That That's a very fair uh, uh, take on it. I'm just worried of just like where they're releasing it, I guess. Because if it is limited run, they're going to need all the help they can get. 
And for those who um, forget what it's about, the action film follows Eric Reed, a.k.a. the White Dragon, who, after being a fugitive on the run for three years, has returned to the city he fought to protect. He must now clear his name and save the family he keeps in secret before the mysterious Dragon Prime unleashes his own revenge. He produced the film alongside Aaron and Sean Shanky, who directed, and as well as Christopher J. The film also stars Mark Dacascos, Michael Madsen, Jason Font, Ciara Hanna, Serena Vincent, Jenna Frank, and a host of others. And ugh, that brings us to something awkward to talk about. Um, Bad in the Sun. They keep tweeting and keep putting their feet in their mouths or trying to speak for Jason Frank. And I don't know how I feel about it. I thought you were going to say The Order. <laughs> uh, could you like give us a few examples on like what kind of things they they're commenting claimed, on? And... They claimed, for example, that... Um, that Legend of the White Dragon was a uh, version of it was originally pitched uh, as the thirtieth, which really that doesn't make sense. Yeah, they've done a lot of man. I don't, I don't even know. They they comment a lot, and I really go, guys, do you really know as much as you think you are? Like, I respect the company. Don't get me wrong, but. They release such few things anymore. Oh, that it, it it gives a bad vibe. I'll put it that way. Well, like saying things I, about I what he felt like about the com- franchise. Oh, saying things about yeah, what he felt like, about the franchise. Here, that's actually a great example. They outright said that uh, JDF absolutely hated the concept of Draken. When, as far as we're all aware. He was okay with it. Like, he had no issues with it. It wasn't his favorite, but he said, you know, this is a one-off. This isn't a who defines the character, but... I mean, he came back to playing, and he didn't do that often with the franchise, so I can't think he hated him too much. He lobbied for a Draken series that was spiked after the Hasbro deal. Right. That's where I'm a little... I think they're too close to the situation to uh, not objectively or objectively, whichever one it is, to not have a biased opinion on it. Like, I feel like it feels a bit squicky to me that, like, they're using their closeness to him to push this project by implying his feelings about this, that, the other, when he's not around to say either way. And I agree. Again, I'm just trying to find like their exact words and where they're talking about this. Like at least on the Bat in the Sun Twitter account. Yeah, there. it's not on Twitter, but I've seen it like on Instagram, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. It's on Facebook and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, 
who knows what context they might be referring yeah. to these things in. I mean, Power Rangers is a pretty messy franchise, and we heard about all kinds of things in the pipeline that seem like very few of them are actually coming to pass. Um, so who knows? Like, this could have been at least talked about at one point as like, oh, what if we did something like this for the 30th anniversary? Or uh, some of the thoughts they touch on with JDF's thoughts. Like, maybe he did say something in passing to them about like not loving this evil take on his character it seeming kind of backwards or something like i i think you're right that using it feels gross them talking about him after the fact i don't think they should be voicing things in a matter of opinion however like bat in the sun exists basically because of jdf and what he contributed yeah. to it and all that so like I can't blame them for still keeping him so central to everything they're talking about. And as mentioned, I haven't gotten to see the exact words because I haven't been able to come across them yet. So if they're being incredibly outlined, uh, out of line, please take everything I've said with a grain of salt. I have um, a Twitter yeah. one. This is exactly what they said about Draken. Um, responding to Adam, they, if people want to look up the last name, that's their that's their prerogative. But in the end, Jason hated the character Lord Draken and all he stood for. He symbolized so much betrayal from everyone involved. He always talked favorably, favorably, blah, 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 whatever, <laughs> towards the character publicly because he never wanted to insult or hurt the fans, but he really hated the character. It's why he removed the video from his YouTube channel and unfriended so many involved. Uh yeah, I mean I I could understand how he could feel that way if if it is true. I don't know if it is or not. I, I would say though at this point it who's it helping? It it's not it's not doing anything to say it's not helping anyone to say, oh JDF hated Draken. Well that I mean if you say he also hated marshmallows, like that might be true, but who it's it's not helping. Ugh. Yep, and I and I agree with that because that goes also to if he genuinely hated the character, I really do believe that um um Kyle and everybody went and got his blessing for Draken before they even wrote about him because they knew he was going to be such a hit. That's just my opinion, though. But I mean, it's not uncommon for characters to for actors to disagree with the way they take a character. I mean, listen to the way Mark Hamill talks about uh, Luke Skywalker in uh, Last Jedi. Like, just because they think, might find I think something I think how Mark Hamill talks about Like, doesn't I think, mean that they're fully against it. I think how Mark Hamill talks about Last Jedi is taken out of context, but that's another thing. I, I, the best comment I ever heard from Mark Hamill about it was he disagreed with the direction, but he's also not the director, so he's going to do what the director tells him, even if he disagrees with it. Yeah. Like, you know, when he said, it's not my Luke Skywalker, he's referring to the Luke Skywalker who he played at a much younger age, the younger Luke Skywalker. He, yeah. he doesn't mean that that's not my Luke Skywalker. Because he seemed to really have a good time on set. Everybody did. Um, ay, ay, ay. The internet is a bad place to talk about Star Wars. Bad place to talk about most things. But speaking of mm -hmm. uncomfortable profiteering, uh, I'm not sure oh, if this has anything to do with What a segue. <laughs> I'm not sure it 
if uh, if this has anything to do with Bad and the Sun, but his team, and this apparently has the blessing of of Tammy Frank of his wife. His team posted for sale a it's, this is apparently a brand. It's not misspelled. A memento ring. It was created before his death, but it's apparently a ring that you just go and buy just with a um uh an NFC chip or something in it and he recorded a message before his death that you can play on an app and it sounds super 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 dumb it just i i understand why you would make something like this and i understand why this might sell a number of copies that being said, it, it feels, I don't know, it feels like it's taking advantage of morning fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, fooling his money. So you can get, mm. there are two different dragon rings and one dragon pendant. Uh, I'm not sure how much they run, but you, you, down, you get the ring, you download this app, you create an account... You open the app and press read to access JDF's so-called memories. You can also add new recordings to the jewelry. Uh, it's an NFC chip that runs without any type of battery or works with any NFC-enabled smartphone. And these rings are said to be waterproof and come with one gigabyte of storage. Uh, presumably, you know, web storage. Oh, here we go. So the ring will run you... Uh, one hundred ninety nine ninety for the uh plain version, and four ninety nine ninety for the one that apparently includes gold, and the pendant is one forty nine ninety. That is a lot of money. I mean, if it goes to his family, great and all that, but no, thank you. Yeah, I I might be the. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it seems weird that this is coming out like seven eight months after his death, so. Yeah, it feels like it's just capitalizing on, like, honestly, almost the most unhinged of the fans. Like, this feels like it's almost treating all anyone who buys this ring as, like, a close friend of JDF's, which I, I don't see many friends of his buying this ring. Uh, and I, th I mean, think if JDF had a message he wanted to share to those he cared about, he probably wouldn't hide it inside a $400 ring. Well, there, there's audio evidence... You know, like the message, you can go on their website to hear it. There's audio evidence that he would have been part of this had he lived. And the explanation the jeweler provides seems credible. Uh, the designer, I should say, saying that JDF was a big fan of his prior collection, particularly his story and meanings behind the designs. He asked me to create rings with NFC technology so that he could record personal messages for his fans. I remember jokingly telling him, with this, okay. You know what? As I read it, this sounds like crap. With this ring, you can live on with your fans forever. He smiled and replied, "This is awesome, brother." Little did I know he would leave it, leave us so soon after. Ay yay yay. I, it could be. Let's take it from another direction. It could be cringy. I'm I'm coming from a sports background on this. You know these have to have been designed well before. The, the the publicize is it is it awkward yeah 
is it something people would buy for it? I think so, because you, you'd have to think this had to be in development at least for a year going through multiple iterations. Is it any different than, and I, I don't want to compare it, but is it any different than Austin St. John selling Jason's high school ring on his website for nearly $400? I didn't know I that mean, happened. Yeah, on uh, Austin St. John's website, Jason's high school ring um, that you can get, if it's sterling silver, you can get it for $353. If you want it yellow gold, up to 2000 He didn't even graduate high school. He graduated from a peace conference. Hey. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, I don't see it any different than that. And to me, honestly, that maybe that's why he did it. it is it for fans that really want it? Probably. There's probably a small amount of people that want it. But remember, too, Jason did uh, always wear name brand stuff. I wouldn't put it so far removed that he wouldn't do something like this. But I don't want to speak for family. I don't want to speak for him. The timing seems off. And yeah, are my red flags up? Absolutely. But we if... If Austin St. John's doing it, I don't think it's outside of the realm. Like, okay, maybe this was in development, and it's just bad timing. It just seems really sketchy and cringy. <laughs> I think there's a difference between somebody who is alive hustling and other people hustling on their image after they're gone. You, and that's uh, what skews about me about it. You want to yeah. know what makes the Austin St. John ring even worse? It's not even Jason's high school ring. It shows King Tyranno on it. The the fusion of uh uh the Red Ranger and oh, yeah. uh Zeo Gold. Because he can't use the IP. Yeah. So like I said, it, I, I I'm in the middle ground. I wanna see how it plays out, essentially. I'm not buying one. <laughs> That's expensive. I couldn't afford a Zap Mega Astro Megazord. <laughs> I can't afford that. <laughs> Yeah, buy some toys or something instead, right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now there's there is no way to there is no easy way to pivot to this, uh, but there is more sad news in the Ranger family. Ika Darville posted on Instagram that his son has a rare and very aggressive brain cancer that's already metastasized. Posted a link to a GoFundMe. We'll share it in the show notes. Um, but dang, like nothing about, like no other details than that. Uh, and that's just really, that's just really so sad. Like kids should not have to go through that. No, agree. Oh, I agree. I, I don't know what I would do in his situation, honestly. Okay, so oh, here here is the details from the GoFundMe. His son, Mana, collapsed on the beach in July with a massive seizure that left the right side of his body paralyzed. At the time, he was misdiagnosed with vocal cortical dysplasia, a brain abnormality. But over the next six months, he continued to suffer daily uncontrolled seizures. And in January, they found themselves back in the ER. And an MRI revealed two large masses in Mana's brain, one the size of a peach and the other, other a walnut. Tumor is now growing across the surface of her son's brain. So he went to emergency surgery, 13 hours, but the surgery wasn't able to get all of even one mass. 
and it's looking like uh, glioblastoma, and that's that's no good. The good news is that the GoFundMe has raised more than five hundred forty thousand dollars. They found two clinics in the U.S. that have treated similar "quote unquote" incurable cases. They're talking with other families, but these treatments are very expensive and cost somewhere between seventeen thousand and thirty-five thousand a month each. And none of this is covered by insurance. Like I don't know if he has SAG insurance right now, or or what. I presume he does. And but even you know, it, hopefully you know he survives this. But even after that, he'll require extensive rehab to you know, regaining the use of his right side. And there's been an anonymous donation for $10,000. That's incredible. There's something you can definitely Several. say about the Power Ranger fandom is it reminds me a lot of the My Little Pony fandom. It's a very, very forgiving or forgiving, a very, very giving fandom. And when stuff like this hits, people rally behind it to help each other. They, It's not a difficult task for it. So it, it's amazing to see how much, I mean, when was it um, released? Like about a, a couple days ago. The fundraiser went live February twenty second. Oh, okay. So at least they get it in a month, nearly to the goal for it. That's that's fantastic. And I, you know, I'm kind of tapped out right now. Otherwise, otherwise I'd be giving too. But that's just, that's terrible. Nobody should have to deal with that. A child. Exactly. So we're going to take a break, uh, and we will be right back with discussion about the comics. So you want to hear people talk about Japanese cartoons. You know, anime. But you think the other anime podcasters just aren't nerdy enough? Sounds like you need to join forces with the Anime World Order. Where each week, three self-proclaimed experts offer you reviews. Of titles both new and classic, news and commentary, rants, convention reports, interviews with fandom, and some hentai and yaoi for good measure. So search for anime in the iTunes Music Store. Or visit our website at AnimeWorldOrder.com. Anime World Order, revealing the truth about anime, one podcast at a time. Kenny, I'm starting a podcast. Recruit me and co-host with Attitude. we put that teleporter in storage uh, michael next time you want me on kaiju weekly tell jimmy to drop the act nathan this is not the monster island film vault okay fine but what's going on i'm having you join me on the power trip a journey through the power rangers franchise it's a podcast version of the article series i'm writing for kaiju ramen magazine oh interesting We'll spend a year analyzing the Power Rangers franchise, dedicating an episode to each season and movie. Ah, I see. So we'll be doing an overview and talking about them in broad strokes. Exactly. We'll discuss Ranger teams, the villains, the theme songs, and so much more. Can we give up final words for stuff like the best fight scene and the craziest moments like I do on Henshin Men? You bet. More phenomenal. When do we start? We drop episodes every two weeks starting Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. You know what that means, Michael. It's Morphin' Time. And we are back. Now, as we enter a new era 
in Power Rangers comics with Melissa Flores writing, it's time to kind of you take a look back and think about the way the comic has and the comics and its and its writers have approached concepts from the show's past and integrated them. Let me let me start that over again. Three, two, one. And we are back now as we enter a new era in Power Just Comics with Melissa Flores. It's, we thought we'd take a, a little time to look back on the comics and the things that the comics done differently maybe better than the show. Like even right now in Dino Fury, we've got the Morphin Masters, who technically did exist in the show, but were brought back in a way that really resembled the way they have come to look in the comics. Now, Josh, you're a huge comics reader. Tell us uh, what you're what you're enjoying the comics take on. Sure, I would be happy happy to do so. And I will say because I'm on your podcast, I will be polite yeah, and say this is spoilers ahead. Like y'all, this this is going to be spoiler filled, even though there has I, been official yeah. announcements. And I should say, also, we lost Lamar. He had to go make dinner. I mean, that's a good reason. <laughs> um, that being said, one of the biggest things that I, I want to point out is the reason this topic even came up was because about two days ago, boom, well, what, three months ago, um, in the FOC trades, two stores specifically, Boom promoted that the next arc of Power Rangers is going to focus on Dark Spectre, which is everybody's fan favorite Grand Monarch of Evil. Um, the biggest thing that uh, I took away from it was they've been kind of hinting and building up to this for a little while now, from uh, Air to Darkness, from um, the Morphinaut to now this and i think we're getting ready to see dark specter actually emerge as a full-fledged like we got problems type of deal um what i th this entire talk though was brought up because boom announced that they're gonna have a one shot involving draken and now dark specter um because at the end of new dawn um andros arrives on the coinless world and says pretty much we are preparing for dark specters arrival which led to the discussion of what has the comics done specifically like on par addressed as as rsf said um or surpassed something that really caught my mind was if we're talking about the theme of dark specter and both of y'all feel free to jump in as well mm -hmm. um, for it i feel like how the comics have made zed and rita more of a threat than they were actually in the show a while back, I, I threw it to the mods of, has there really been any villain in the outside of the United Alliance of Evil that really rivaled their powers? And I think we threw out some stuff like, okay, uh, Banshira, of course. She she was like the head demon. She probably would be on that place. Um, Mezagog may have been on that um, in that alliance. But in the show, it was just they were evil beings. But in the comics, they established, like, Rita was a child that was essentially tainted by the morphing grid and could not become Dark Spectre's host. But as a result, she became, like, a super powerful sorceress, 
Lord Zed is a fallen Eltarian. That's not addressed in the shows, but when you think about it, oh, that makes the United Alliance of Evil even more powerful than they already are with the additions of the Machine Empire, Divatox, and Astronema. Um, you really see Dark Specter's uh, influence, um, and that j just got my uh, my my uh, brain juices flowing. Of what else has the comic done? I I would outright say, obviously, addressing the elephant in the room of the peace conference. I think that makes sense for the show for how they've done that, and of course the fan service with the. Um, yeah, um, I think I, it was like before the we totally switch subjects here to like yeah, the yeah. cast offs. Mind if I chime in on the villain use and like they're adding? Uh, yeah, yeah. More threatening. Like to me, I have to say the power levels seem to be a little bit up in the air. Like for once, we have to see Zed and Rita team up with the Rangers fairly often. Like Rita and Shattered Grid, and now Zed both in the way Ryan Parrott ended his arc on Rangers and uh, seems like that's going to be the case going into this next one with Melissa Flores. And I think what this adds to the villains isn't just a matter of like making them seem like more of a threat to the Rangers, but adding a whole nother level of personal stakes to these situations. Like by the end of the Eltarian war run, we see that Zordon and Zed have almost like a, an anime rivalry level of, history to like this current war they're fighting with each other like i was getting very like naruto and sasuke vibes reading about their backstory um and then rita yeah. like i think one of the best single issues the comic has done was showing what it was like for her being in the dumpster all those years and living the life of every single person she killed like it just adds way more depth to like who these characters are why their minions follow them and not so blindly and yeah, like it makes me think these are much more developed characters than the just like one dimensional evil villains we've seen in the show. I want to add to that. Don't forget, too, that um, we see Master Vile's origins um, because of Dark Spectre directly. We see the true Phantom Ranger origins because of Dark Spectre. Like it gives them it gives us something to work with of, oh, man, these are a, a lot deeper characters than just their haha were evil on the show even though they were fan favorites they're legitimate threats like it makes sense why dark specter would want all of them under his claw um not to mention diva talks and astronomer who were again spoilers they were uh trained to be dark specters uh avatars because for whatever i still don't understand that but if we're using the show too you mentioned like the um the powers and everything too. Lord Zed took on a Morphin Master, and he did not win, but he did not lose either. Yeah. You know, I will say, uh, touching on Dark Spectre, like I generally agree that they're doing a great job making him more intimidating in this show, and not just another like interchangeable villain as sometimes it was in the old series. Uh, but the one one of the few things that I had that I think the show does or did better than the comics was. Uh, the Psycho Rangers. Like, I'm not going to beat up on the Psychopath graphic novel much here, but I think that wasn't always the... I feel like compared to the show, it doesn't stand out the way the Psycho Rangers arc does compared to the rest of the season that little five, six-parter was in. Because like, I think the Psycho Ranger episodes we saw in both Power Rangers in Space and Lost Galaxy were something that really elevated both those seasons by doing something that felt way different and more menacing than 
on uh, previous seasons and it's really where in space especially starts to stand out like before that it still is pretty much the same monster of the week show that every power ranger season had been before it so melody perkins acting covers that though because <laughs> she was fantastic <laughs> yeah she's certainly but you're not wrong like yeah but I you're not wrong though Actively evil rangers, I think, are something I like the show's depiction of better, mainly just with the Psycho Rangers and the original Green Ranger arc. Like, don't get me wrong, Draken is a pretty interesting character, uh, and the, the comic definitely did the Dark Rangers in a way that seemed interesting or not, like, the worst thing I'd ever seen, like, in the show, but... At the same time, like, you don't like the giant sock puppet outfits with the Z on there with Lord Set, Lord <laughs> Zed's duct tape staff. I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's some of the handling of their evil rangers as they go. Like, yeah, the Psycho Rangers maybe needed this redemption arc so people could see them again, or maybe they can make them anti-heroes or something. But the fact that like they're framing this new Draken series of him getting his own rangers. Uh, that feels kind of icky to me, actually. Like, okay, he gets back to his world, and, like, the woman he mind-controlled is now on his side, as well as the person he, like, put, you know, locked in a suit and tortured for years on end. Also there, like, basically this world that was destroyed by this fascist leader has the fascist leader return, and now he's the one, like, oh, yeah, we need fascist leader to fight the spaced fascist leader, like... No, I'm, I'm okay with them recruiting him and keeping him in line as, like, one of their members, but, like, I feel like this should be the Ranger Slayers series rather than, like, Lord Draken getting his own Rangers. Uh, I like him better as, like, okay, this is an evil thing that we're going to point in the direction of helping the good guys. No, it's funny. I, I have two things I want to throw in there, speaking of the villains. I, I absolutely 1,000% agree about the Psycho Rangers. In my opinion, they made them a lot weaker in the comic versus the show with the exception of psycho green psycho green mm -hmm. is a fantastic addition because when it's tied to dark spectrum he needs something to be able basically to rift into the real world uh, or whatever fantastic like that was that was a beautiful piece of writing which is also why too i love shattered grid except the ending because the ending with tommy like or draken being like this I, I don't know. He being the big hero. Yeah, the, the ending was, it, weird, it was weird, but, but they were trying to get to the why of Draken. Like, what motivated him? Like, why? Like, yeah. why was he doing this? And and then the, also set yeah, the table and, for the next chapter. Yeah, and I think it also kind of helps show that like Draken. It helps show how he's wrong because we then get to see that even if he has everything he wants, like things still don't work out or it's still not right so it's not like you know thanos just does his snap and then dies twice after that like we get to see two deaths of him but here it's like yeah we have this thanos level threat and then we see him come to realize he's in the wrong and i think given the nature of power rangers like i know they'll just mercilessly kill every monster of the week but i feel like when it comes to their big bads it's usually there's more of a direct or emotional resolution to their conflict than just like, oh, we killed the big bad. Got it. I mean, you have a point on that because I didn't think of it that way. I always thought, oh, 
if this new arc ties it to he wanted to become the end-all be-all to stop Dark Spectre, but he realized his way, he basically turned into a mini Dark Spectre without it. Mm. That would be fantastic, and it only enhances Ryan's original idea, but when you put it like that, of even when he had everything, it still didn't work out. That's To me, that's just as strong of a story at that point. I, th- I think to your point, Tori, um, that reconciliation, that idea of like reconciliation uh, has made for some of our most interesting finales. Like everybody still thinks about the end of time all these years later because the Rangers couldn't defeat Rancic with brute force, but they could convince him to surrender. Like, I've yeah. noticed this through line in Power Rangers that I don't feel like they've ever explicitly stated this, but it's something that I really want to explore in my own work someday. Uh, but, like, okay, so Zed was gone for only 30 years, but he'd been a problem for, like, 10,000 years leading up to this. Uh, and he's only dead by 30 before some lame monster of the week can yeah. resurrect him. Uh, and That's like good Rita's, idea. That's a good point. Rita like, similarly, doing? Like, yeah. They, if they have the power to lock her in a dumpster for 10,000 years, they probably have the power to just, you know, uh, capital punishment, like, take her out. And there's so many, like, great ancient evils throughout all the Power Ranger seasons that we normally see them sealed away rather than destroyed. I mean, everything from, like, Ivanus to Banshira mm-hmm. to, like, some of the more modern threats. And well, I, I like yeah. this idea that, like, you can't kill your problems to make them go away like said just comes you, you back 30 years point. later which you raise an interesting the... point like like uh in the mutiny uh you know zed said rita had failed in her mission but she'd been locked up for ten thousand years and then out for a few months and she'd failed what was zed doing such that you know they didn't find the space capsule and yeet it out, out into space himself. I would okay. Because he I clearly say, failed there. I would say that is beneath at that time when the mutiny came out, when we thought Lord Zed was the huge big bad like Dark Spectre would be, he, that was beneath him to go fix Rita's mistakes until absolutely necessary. And then yeah, then he put her in a dumpster and yeeted her into space. But at that time I feel like she'll get out. I can wait it out. And then it realized the longer she messed up, the more powerful Zordon got. He had to intervene. Zed waited 10,000 years to not conquer Earth? What was he doing? Maybe that's something the comics make it sound like he's, yeah, like conquering other planets. Like, Earth doesn't seem terribly relevant to Zed. Like, what what does Earth really have uh, that Zed is aware of? (laughs) Dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, and then they died. On the other hand, on the other hand, well, when you think about when we think back to Day of the Dumpster, it's yeah, hmm? yeah. I was gonna say it is covered in the comics. There is something Earth has that he wants because Dark Spectre wanted it. It's the power coins. Here, here I am thinking about thirty-year-old plot holes. (laughs) Uh, Even though in the opening of NPR of season one, you know, he says it's time to conquer Earth. She never says that in the show. She says, time to conquer the nearest planet. You just have to be Earth. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, you know what's up with that. 
Um, You're not wrong. I mean, hmm. but but that does go back into the what does the comic do right? What does it not do right? And I agree with you. I think that it balances out almost a little bit, but that does ask that question. And and Tori, are you in my DM mind? Because I have that as a, if my players are listening, do not listen to this part. Um, <laughs> I have that as notes of what the hell has been going on. Because Rito, you said the same thing of, you know, what happens? Why is Lord Zed gone for 30 years? What's been going on even in that part? I thought of the same thing of we see that example in the show when Scorpius is killed and Trakina takes his place of you just opened the floodgates to something even worse than her father was. Yeah, like the um, I, I really like one of I think it was one of the first long arc when they split the book into Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers that like we see the Omega Rangers come and they like wipe the floor with said and then lock him up and Zordon voices that same concern of like hey, thanks for the help, but we're kind of worried someone's going to fill this vacuum. And we see that the Omega Rangers, like, for thousands of years have, like, they have a vault full of these containers of old ancient evils that they can pick from. And they keep using that as a, like, interesting plot hook, like with the Death Ranger or uh, that one bounty hunter from Kruger's Dane. species. Yeah, Bane. Dane, so, like, Dane, with Dane. a D. <laughs> we're kind of running short of time. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta different go different uh, comic. You merely adopted the dumpster. I was born in it. We're kind of running out of time. I got to go eat dinner. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot to a wrap up. So sure. Um, yeah. So that was fun. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is something super duper obscure from the show that you'd like to see brought into the comic and expanded upon? Um. Okay. So. We know that because of parental complaints, uh, Zed became much softer in season three and the second half of season two. And like the villains became more and more uh, buffoonish. We've also now seen in the comics that back to back, the Rangers have fought alongside and saved Zed. I would love for this to be like a subtle explanation for why Zed is so much more lighthearted later on, or like he kind of sees Basically, he doesn't want to harm the Rangers because they have <laughs> taken pity on him. And now he Zed realizes that like Zordon isn't the enemy he thought he was. But like, you know, he still wants to conquer Earth, so he's still doing all his plans and the monster of the week formula. Good. I always assumed it was just the love potion that made him absolutely goofy, but that's good. If we're if we're going comic route with the again, because of Shattered Grid, they can kind of do whatever they want. Uh, yeah, I'm going to mm -hmm. go super obscure on this one um, because the comics have kind of answered all my stuff, like everything. But I want to know one thing and one thing only. And it's I'm talking old season episode one of Zeo. What caused the machine empire to go rampant and basically rebel against Dark Specter? The United Alliance of Evil? Yeah. 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 I'm, and then rejoin. I have a... Yeah, well, that I assumed it was just because he had him rebuilt and just reprogrammed. I mm. always have a gut feeling that it was Vendrix, that maybe through some timey-wimey shenanigans, it may have got to them and they had this moment of enlightenment of, we don't need to work for this dude. <laughs> I want to see more Tricorians. They were going Tricorians. Yeah. yeah, they're going through their Skynet phase. Like, it's it's AI puberty, basically. They go through this rebellious phase where they think they're the superior race. We see this with the Dal the Daleks and the Machine Men, and it's 
Skynet itself. Like, they just needed time to realize they're not top dogs, that, like, a dirty bomb from Zed and Rita can take them out, and they're, like, heck, they even got taken out like they were nothing by the Rangers and their Zords more than once. So, you know, they just needed to be humbled and realize that, yeah, Dark Spectre probably is the more powerful force, and for now, they have to stay in line. I you want know, I a canon explanation for how the uh, Jungle Master, Jungle Fury Masters got their furry forms. <laughs> yeah. That was so weird. I, there is, uh, and I, I know you're trying to wrap the uh, show up, because this, this is something we could talk about for hours on its own. Um, there's just so much in the comics that, and, and the show where it's, there's obscure things of where did this come from, why did it happen? It's funny, though, you mentioned the Machine Empire, because with the com if you take the comics lore, the Machine Empire is actually now the weakest branch because Rita being a morphin grid tainted, I get, I think it'd be tainted, uh, um, sorceress, Lord Zed, Fallen Altarian, Divatox and Astronomer is supposed to be like the avatar, potential avatars for Dark Spectre. They're just robots that can just be like, eh, we're, we're, they're kind of the Bantha fodder. <laughs> it's kind of funny because <laughs> they are kind of jokes. <laughs> And it's fantastic. All right. So uh, as we continue to await a trailer for Once and Always, with my luck, it'll drop like tomorrow or something while I'm editing. We are going to call it a, a night. Tori, you said you had something you wanted to plug? Yeah. Um, so Trans Day of Visibility is in about two weeks on the 31st. So if you want a fun topical way to celebrate on my podcast, Giant Size Violence, I just told my coming out story in uh, a very Power Rangers focused way. The episode is called uh, It's Morphin Time on losing your heroes and transforming yourself through Power Rangers. I do talk quite a bit about JDF and how the character of Tommy actually was very instrumental in me. Uh, finding my own identity and just being kind of my human ideal from a very, very early age. Uh, and yeah, talk a fair amount about Power Rangers. So I think that'll be very topical. Um, cool. Also, tomorrow I'm going to be interviewing Melissa Flores oh, and cool. Megan Camarena, uh, the writers of uh, Radiant Pink. But yeah, Melissa Flores, as mentioned before, is the current writer of Power Rangers as well. So uh, listeners in this show would probably enjoy that as well. All right, and Josh, do you have anything to pitch? I don't have anything to pitch. Just, hey, I'm happy that my fantasy uh, or my March Madness bracket has not <laughs> collapsed like everybody else's. Really? Are you sure? I don't believe you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in first place. Uh, and you have Farley Dickinson? I really... My champion... I don't believe you. I didn't. I did not, but I have Texas winning it all, and I've only lost one team in the Final Four with Kansas. All right. All I'm right. doing great. <laughs> well, best of luck. With, with luck, they're, they're going to still be around by the time this episode uh, runs. All right. Well, thank everyone for listening, and if you or someone you know is in crisis, call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline call or text at 988 or go to 988lifeline.org. Thanks, everybody. If you like what you just heard, find us at rangercast.net or look us up in your favorite podcast app. Reach out to us on Twitter or leave a voicemail on our website. The opening theme is by Daniel Park. The ending theme is by me. Rangercast is distributed to under Creative Commons license. A tribute and share alike. Mm -hmm.